Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Cool, so... Today, Caitlin, where are we going to be reading that? John. Yes. John what? Um, I don't know. We said 11. Yes. <laughs> Caitlin says John 11, so that's what we're reading. All right. So we are in John 11 today. Uh, it's, it's almost entirely all about Lazarus. Really good stuff going on here, and then a um, little bit after that on a, on a different topic there. Um, so the part about Lazarus is 1 through 44, so I'm thinking let's break that up to about uh, 1 through 15 first. Does anyone want to start taking 1 through 15? I can do 1 through 16, I would say, probably, because that's the... Beginning of the next one, I think. Okay. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of Man, so that Son of God can be, may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus her was ill, he Lazarus. stayed. Her sister. Her sister. Oh, my bad. Her sister and Lazarus. Yeah, her sister is not Lazarus. Not Lazarus. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said, "Go to the disciples." Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in, his, in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so you may believe, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. What do you guys see of what happened here? What's going on? Recap. Lazarus died. Lazarus died. A lot going over the disciples' heads. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that too. I mean, let's be real. I didn't realize that the 
pouring of the oil by Mary happened after Lazarus was raised from the dead. I don't, I don't know why I thought this, but in my head I thought that that event had happened before. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about. I think it gives it a little bit greater meaning almost. It has enough meaning on its own, what Mary did, but like a greater meaning to me knowing that like she witnessed the little, literal like resurrection of her brother and how much more is she in a position to like give everything mm-hmm. to Jesus as a result of that. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's cool to it's cool to see um, sorry, who was it? Mary or Martha that did that later? Mary. 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 It's cool it's cool to read the story of Mary, you know, pouring out her, her expensive like years worth wage worth of oil and her perfume and wiping her hair you know, on Jesus' feet to, to wipe it. But to know the backstory of that, of this is what happened before that, yeah. of her brother died. Um, you know, most of us are probably familiar with this chapter, but, you know, her, her brother died. And, yeah, to, to know that then is, is pretty cool. So, I believe it's John the author of this book, who um, refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved, um, which is an accurate statement that Jesus loved him. And, you know, all of us could say that too. You know, be like, you know, we could, any of us could come to God and be like, God, it's the one whom you love, I have a request, you know, or, or whatever. Um, or I could be praying for Yom and be like, Lord, you know, I ask for, for healing for the one whom you love, you know, because Jesus loves us all. So, you know, we can refer to that um, in that regard. Look at verse 3, how, how, um, I'm losing track of who is who here. Mary, Mary comes to Jesus and says, Lord, your dear friend is sick. In another translation, Lord, the one you love is sick. She didn't say anything about specifically asking Jesus to heal Lazarus. She never said, Jesus, come heal Lazarus. He's dying. He's sick. She just said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Which I think is interesting that, you know, there's... They, they felt that they didn't need to ask. They felt that that was enough. They just let him know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I see that as a close, you know, a close relationship. And Jesus was close to that whole family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, which is why they are saying, "Lord, the the one you love, your dear friend, is sick." You know, if I were to say, "Yana, I'm bleeding," she would know what to do. She'd be like, "Okay, well, let me get a band-aid, you know, maybe a towel." first aid kit. I don't have to say, Yana, can you get me a band-aid and first aid kit? You know, she knows what to do from there. What else is going on? Do you guys see anything else interesting or anything else stand out? Any observations so far? I think... Go ahead. Talking about I think it, oftentimes we get in like Christianese is 
there's purpose in your pain or there's you know and it's it's well intended and I think there's truth it's true like there's truth to it but at the same time when you face people that are going through some really deep really hard things that can kind of fall on deaf ears and it can be even more painful in some ways for them to be like okay well there's purpose in my pain what's the you know what's what's the purpose what's the why do I have to go through these things why you know what could it be that those kinds of questions are hard to answer and they're hard for people to answer in the midst of like really difficult circumstances so in a way like for Jesus to say no it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this that's in everything that is the purpose and I think that's something that for me I will have to always continually remind myself of like when you go through hard things when you go through great things regardless of what you're going through the purpose is the glory of God and that's that's it like there is no greater purpose than that and so readjusting our mind to think in God's terms of like his glory what is going to most glorify him but also because he's a good God and because he cares for you it's always for your good so even in the midst of those really difficult times like God how can this be for my good if you trust that God is who he says he is and you trust that he is for you then this this concept of okay it's going to bring you glory regardless of what I have to do like that's such retraining of our brain that is so hard um, but it's worth it and like you see later in the story like there is something to be said for God's provision through those things and his provision in this case is Lazarus resurrected and how incredible of a miracle is that so yeah okay yeah that's good what do you guys think about the fact that they're telling Jesus that their, their brother is sick and he stays there for two more days before mm -hmm. going. Yeah. You know, Jesus, Jesus knew that at this point he was already dead. But he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, even though he knows that he's already dead. Martha and Mary don't know that yet, that he's dead. They're saying he's sick. Jesus knows he's already dead now. And he's saying, you know what? Let's just hang out here another two days. And now he's ready to go back to the place where they were they were all ready to stone him. So now they're he's ready to go back there. <clears throat> Why do you think Jesus waited two more days? Why not? It's I, I really think it's 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 why not because the and I think the audacity we often have is really uh, shown by Mary and Martha of of like um, like oh if you to if only you to come earlier I think they say it later mm -hmm. I think I'm getting ahead of myself um, if you only you to come earlier and like things could be different but the audacity that we have to like be like hey. You're supposed to work around my schedule, yeah. right? It's like, hey, uh, you don't get to pick, bro. So, yeah, I think that yeah. 
that is like my first thought of like there's probably a much more poetic and, and, and symbolic reason Right, and like, like there's probably something so much more beautiful that I'm missing, but sure. the why not, I feel like, is I, just as I applicable. Think, I think that's perfectly acceptable that, you know, Jesus' timing is for him to decide, not for us to decide, to say, Jesus, you need to do this now because I need it now. But you don't. That's the thing, is that you're the sucker in the story. You don't necessarily need it now. Like, when you think you're at your all-time low or at your all-time worst moment, is not necessarily the right moment, or whatever it may be. You know, Jesus is like, hey, I'm the boss now. I'm the boss. He's like, Caitlin. More days. Huh? <laughs> um, so I, I saw this thing that um, there was this Jewish, Jewish superstition um, that, um, that said that a soul stayed near the grave for three days, hoping to return to the body. So, in this case... It was accepted that after four days, there was absolutely no hope of necessitation mm -hmm. of the soul returning back to the body. It was like three days, you're hanging on for three days, but after the day four, that's that's the the real morning. That's when it's real hard because like nope, he's not coming back. We had a little hope for a few days, but after day four, no, and the body's already decaying. It's already stinks. It's there's no hope. So I think maybe Jesus is like, yeah, he's dead. But how much how much more glory of his gets to be revealed that no, there's there's zero hope. There's no way anything is happening here. But then for Jesus to come in and say, Well actually and then do something about it, I think just shows even more glory. I think there's sorry. I think there's something remarkably human about it too, because the verse before it says, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Mm. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus is fully man, right, too. So he feel he felt and feels all the emotions that we will ever have and experience in this world. So imagine learning that your one of your dear friends has passed away and you have the power, fully God, to heal him, but you know that for your father's glory you're to wait because he didn't move without he didn't you know, moving what the father, based on what the father told him. He didn't speak, he didn't act without it. So waiting could very well have been, you know, that directive of like, you're to wait and how excruciating even that would be for Jesus at that point because he, he loves, right? He loves greater than any of us can. And he's proud, you know, instinctually is like, yes, let me go to Lazarus. That could very well have been a thought. I mean, I'm not, I don't profess to play with scripture or anything like that or add to it. That's not what I'm trying to do. But like, I just think about the humanity of Jesus in that moment and how much that resonates with us of like, even if we love someone or something, sometimes we're to wait regardless of those feelings. And a lot of times we're to wait regardless of those feelings. And, um, but all, again, for the glory of God. And that's that, you know, verse 4, I think, really ties so much of this together. But, okay. Yeah. I heard this line, and I think it really puts it into perspective. We have a tendency to interpret the love of God through our circumstances, rather than interpreting our circumstances through the love of God. I know that was kind of a lot. But I'm gonna, I'll read that again. 
But I think verse 5 really clearly you know, says that, and Jack, what you just mentioned also. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed there. He stayed where he was for the next two days. We have a tendency to interpret the love of God through our circumstances, rather than interpreting our circumstances through the love of God. Same thing as saying, oh, God doesn't love me. Why would God do that? Because he let this happen. Rather than, God let this happen, although he still loves me. Let's keep going from verse 17. Uh, I may want to take it from 17 through... It's hard to put a stopping point at this. Let's go through 29. No, let's go through 34. I'll start reading. Somebody can pick up. At verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everybody else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, I, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Can we want to take 30 through 37? Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so haste, hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if, you only, if only you had been here and my brother would not have died, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you where have you put him? he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Cool. Thanks. Alright, a good amount just happened here. I think it's interesting, both sisters, at one point, I didn't realize that both sisters said that. Both sisters, at one point, in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then, in verse 32, then Mary says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Because at this point, he's a physician, right? Like, he can prevent things. He can, he can do miracles, but there are limits, right? And I think to the Pharisees' point and to, to, to Paul's point later in Scripture where he says, like, hey, no one else has ever risen from the dead. And so that's why this story is so incredible. This is the first glimpse that we have that Jesus has authority over death. This is the first thing that we see that, that Jesus has that ability. When the, the young girl, was she not dead? She was just sick? Oh yeah, no, she was, she was she was sick. Had... And then I think they thought yeah. she was dead or she was dead. But I don't know where that happens. In, in the did, timeline. Did that already happen? Already? I, I don't. I know that we. This, I thought the centurion's son also had, or was he just sick? He was just sick. Was just but then sick. the centurion okay. came out by himself and he said he'll be well by the time you get back. He okay. Like, okay. Got it, got it. And he but asked the, the time that he got better. That's a good point. I yeah. thought Jesus, that was. Jesus there was the young girl. Yeah. The, 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 the young girl, but I don't know where that happens in the timeline. Anyhow, point being, like, Jesus has authority over death. And it wasn't like four days. Right. To your point. Yeah. That this is the unique in yeah. almost every well, day. and there were like she talks about this when she says this is this is a very interesting thing as well because she says uh, yes in verse 27 yes Lord I believe that you are the Christ son of the world oh no never mind that's not it the the one where she says yes I know he's going to be resurrected um, your brother will rise oh in 24 I know that he will rise again in the on the in the resurrection on the last day that in and of itself, Martha recognizing that because there were a lot of Pharisees that didn't believe in the resurrection. The, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. And this is later exploited by the disciples a little bit. Like Paul one time is getting oppressed by both sides and he's, getting, uh, he's in some serious trouble. And he's like, you know, I'm just out here preaching the resurrection. And then the Pharisees and Sadducees start fighting with each other instead of fighting with Paul. Um, but the, the fact that she already recognizes that shows that like, she's been listening to what Jesus has been saying, talking about the resurrection and she knows that he's right. Um, but she's, she's not grasping what, what Jesus has. So. Any other thoughts, any other observations, comments? Like sometimes we, I think that like 
he doesn't feel my pain. I'm going through something, I'm praying about something, you know, going through some hardship and it's like, dude, do not see what I'm going through, do not feel what I'm feeling, like, you're not doing anything, you know, uh, but um, it's cool that like, you know, Jesus just goes to like their level of mourning because tragedy happens, you know, one of their loved ones, but of course he's gonna resurrected which is awesome um but yeah like that's that's such a great reminder of like you know jesus knows exactly what we're going through and our feelings our emotions um he, he knows it all yeah. i think that's why like it's interesting to look at martha and mary and there's like but jesus if you'd only come sooner which is so human of us right and then you look at jesus's response and his response is simply words of comfort, words of encouragement. It's not like, don't you know who I am? Don't you, like, why don't you believe that I can change? It's not any of that. It's your brother will rise again. Like it's it's that intimate connection that he has with Mary and Martha that informs his, the way that he speaks and the tone he uses or that I imagine he would have used at that moment. It's not, angry with them or frustrated with their lack of faith or belief or whatever it is it's your brother will rise again and it's just so cool and then last for me is the 20 verse 25 jesus told her i am the resurrection and the life i don't know what it was but just reading that verse just there is such power like this just holds such power and such depth of emotion to know like i am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Like, I don't know, if you can hang your hat on a verse, well, you can hang your hat on many of them, but like, that's who Jesus claimed to be, who he is, and we can, like, we can trust it. This is really cool. Yeah. It's a loud verse. <laughs>
There's so much that can be said about those two words in mm-hmm. verse 35, Jesus wept. In the, in the shortest verse in the Bible, you could say so much about that. And that, I think those, that shows a lot about who Jesus is also. And that he is a man. You know, he is still 100% man, along with being 100% God. But he's man, he's human. It also shows that there's no sin and there's no shame in crying. There's <laughs> um, that Jesus is familiar with grief. He's not ashamed of the human side of himself there. He can identify with our sorrows and we can identify with him. And that also he loves people. And uh, the Bible also speaks of other people weeping. Abraham, when he buried Sarah. Jacob, when he wrestled the angel. David and Jonathan weeping together. Hezekiah over his sickness. Josiah weeping over the sin of his nation. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. Um, So there was a lot in, I think a lot that can be said about Jesus weeping. Just how we can relate to him, how he relates to us. The fact that he cares. You know, it's not just like, oh, people die and God doesn't care. It's like, no, that is, you know, heart-wrenching. Like, he isn't just like, yep, today a bunch of people died from this, a bunch of people died from that, a bunch of people did this, people got shot, people killed themselves, people, you know, died of disease. Like, God isn't just like, whatever, it's just a number today. It's No, he wept over one person. He weeps over every person. Um... In verse 33, yeah, verse 33, Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him. He was deeply troubled. Um, That phrase literally translates to, to snort like a horse, which implies anger and indignation. But that, that type of uh, weeping and wailing is literally translated to to snort like a horse, I just thought was a fun fact. Yeah. Why do you think Jesus wept? I think this is a question I've just seen so many times over the years. Like, you asking my opinion you, on it? I'm, I'm just kind of throwing, floating it out there as a question. I don't know that there's a wrong answer or a right answer that we that we can figure out whether it was because Lazarus died whether it was because um, these people mourned because they didn't know why Jesus was there or his authority um, I think you know Jesus already knew that Jesus already knew what he was going to do that's already, a given he already knew yeah. that he was going to raise him from this physical death and also that you know, he is dead, but Jesus knows that, okay, cool, he's he's in the presence of God now. And yet he still wept, even though he already knew the ending so much more than what Martha and Mary knew. I think, in my opinion, I think the reason why he wept was to, because also he was close with Martha and Mary. He was close to them as well. He was, he was friends with them. And to see your friend cry, I think is, you know, it hurts to see your friend cry, to see someone close to you cry, and to be in pain and agony and suffering and maybe it just hurt him to see you know not necessarily like oh no this person died it's like no he he knows 
where their soul goes. But I think maybe for Jesus, it was a matter of a friend of his, Martha and Mary, is is deeply hurt right now, and they're they're in mourning. So he's, you know, he can relate. Maybe that's why. Or, um, or he saw them weeping, and um, like maybe it was their lack of faith. I don't know. There is no right or wrong answer, but maybe he saw them weeping and was like, "Why are you weeping right now? Or, don't you know who I am?" Or not seeing, just just the vision. It reminds me, like the the alternative perspective is like when I think it's Elisha and his uh, servant that they get surrounded by this entire army, um, and then Elisha's servants like, uh, "We're in some serious trouble." He's like, "Oh God, open my the eyes of my servant, please." And then he opens his eyes, and there's entire angel armies surrounding the other armies. And he's like, oh, snap, okay. We're in business here. Um, and the the foresight that Jesus had was obviously so much better. Um, and his faith was so much greater. So the lack of, that's the, the only thing that I can think of, is the, the, that he sees... That there's a much bigger picture being painted. Um, that that's just what it makes me think. That's what actually Pastor Charles. I don't know if you guys were there. Pastor Charles was former youth pastor for the cause. He he spoke um, he spoke about the shortest verse in the Bible when Jesus wept, and that's the train of teaching that he spoke on was that it wasn't necessarily that Jesus was heartbroken over what had happened because he knew what he was he knew what he was going to do he knew what the end result was but it was in response to this deeply troubling spirit that he had watching the other people not i guess trust in the fullness of the Messiah and what he could do um not even that but like that lack of that lack of faith like you were talking about of being like heartbroken over something so much so that you're not yeah. seeing the big picture and like imagine how many times like we are believers we trust in god and everything but like we're human we do the same we thing we doubt things or we mourn things that shouldn't that like there's a bigger picture about or whatever mm-hmm. so like imagine him looking down on us as our his disciples his children and us being sad or or like or not, or like doubting what he can do. That's probably heartbreaking, very troubling for him to see us as his children mm-hmm. mourning or crying over the lack of what we think he is holding, withholding from us, or whatever. You know. And this is this at this moment in time. This is the biggest event it seems like in Mary and Martha's life. And if Jesus's story ended here, it it'd be almost useless of a story. Like, the, the reason that Jesus matters is because of everything that he does um, later. And it's because he is who he is that he can do these things. But what I, what I mean to say is that, like, this miracle is nothing in the ability to give us eternal life and to, to give us a bridge to, to God. Like, this is nothing in comparison. And the I feel like that we get concerned with things that are so much smaller than... a sibling dying like we get so caught up 
uh, or I get so caught up, I should say, um, in things that are happening that I feel are important that just couldn't, couldn't matter. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, like it's that so small. It's, it's so, so trivial in comparison yeah, right. to, to everything that Jesus has for us. And we can get all wrapped up in, the in our, in our details and, and in it ourselves, um, that we miss what he has for us. And then it's also not to minimize the details at all because for sure. the Lord says that he is in every detail and he desires to know about those things. So it comes full circle. There's a balance, but yeah. That's been really huge in wedding planning because there are so many <laughs> pointless, pretty much details. When like, I have to remind myself why we're having this wedding, what this wedding means, Because it does matter to you, it also matters to yes. him. So don't minimize and then he, the things that are important to you. Sometimes he's like, "It really doesn't matter." Well, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. But like, you can get distracted. I think yes. the enemy uses details yes. as a distraction. Hundred percent. Right. And and I've, that's been happening yeah. with this whole wedding planning thing of like, the enemy is using these little details to blur my vision on what this whole day is about. And I keep having to come back to the heart of it and be like, "This is not just a wedding day. It's the beginning of a marriage and a covenant under God. And that's what it is. It's not just." wedding for pictures you know yeah so that's been and like you can you can say that about so many other things too not just like wedding but that's kind of what god is teaching me right now cool i'm gonna get to i'm gonna get <laughs> Sorry, to that no, no, you guys are fine <laughs> i want to at least finish this part through 44 if you don't get to the rest that's fine um anybody want to finish reading from uh i believe we're at 38 now 38 through 44 short part <clears throat> Jesus was still angry as he arrived at, at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he had been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Cool. What a scene. Awesome. <laughs> Allow me to read verse... Uh, verse 39 nope uh, yeah verse 39 in the King James Version Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him Lord by this time he stinketh <laughs> I thought that was great by this time he stinketh. King James Version. I love it. 
believe the, it was also quoted in the Grinch. Stink, stank, stunk, and stinketh. Um, yeah, but by this point, four days in, they didn't, uh, the Jews didn't do anything to preserve bodies. When they died, they're buried right away, immediately, that day. So there's no preparing the body, there's, they don't do anything to it. So four days in, it's starting to decay, it's starting to rot, it stinketh. Um, and Jesus is saying, roll away the stone. And they're like, uh, but Jesus, it's going to smell pretty bad. And he said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? That's what he says. With that, in verse 40 of what he said, if you believe, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Jesus was fully capable of this miracle, with or without the faith of Martha and Mary. But if they would not believe, they would, ne they would never see the glory of God. They could see the end result and be happy in that, either way, whether they believe or not. Um, but they would miss the glory of working together with God in fulfillment of his plan. So they get to see the glory if they believe. If they don't believe, they'll see the same end result. And the, the same goes for, for all of us. And the same goes for, I think, so many of the, the past few chapters that we've seen. We've seen something happen. We've seen you know, these Pharisees or people try to trick Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. What are you going to do about it? And at the end of the day, you know, after he does what he does, and several of the points when Jesus is speaking to people and they're trying to trap him, they're trying to trick him, they're trying to do all these things, at the end we see the same two results. Many people believe, or some believe, but the other end of that, many also didn't believe. Some didn't believe. We see people believe and people don't believe. The end result is the same. Whether they, whether they had faith or didn't have faith in Jesus, he did the miracle. The people who believe get the bonus of seeing the glory of God. The people who don't believe, they just see the end result. But they're just like, well, you know, and they can make up whatever excuse they want for it. Something also really cool. Um, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And he comes out in verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloth, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. How does this differ then from when Jesus was brought back to life? Specifically that part. He folded his garments neatly. <laughs> Just kidding. He actually didn't. Yeah, they're actually specifically not folded. But they are there. Yeah. Jesus wasn't in his mm -hmm. grave cloths? Close. Yeah, grave right. cloth. Jesus wasn't in his grave cloths when he was brought back to life. Lazarus comes out probably looking like a mummy because he's still wrapped up. His hands and feet are still in grave cloths and his faith in a head cloth. He's, he's still... He's not still dead, but... He's he, bound. He's still bound by death. He's going to die again in the right. earthly, humanly It's sense. not a resurrection, it's a resuscitation. Exactly. That's what we're getting at. It's not a resurrection, it's a resuscitation. He's brought back to life again, but he will die again because he's a human. Jesus was resurrected, he was brought back to life, and he will never die again. Lazarus was brought back to life, and he's going to die again, and anyone who is 
brought back to life from being dead will die again. Um, also, can you imagine from Lazarus' point of view? I don't, I don't know if, if you guys have ever considered Lazarus here, right? Because we're thinking about Mary and Martha, like the sisters are grieving. And Jesus is, is also, you know, he wept and he was sad over, you know, whatever you take it as he was sad over. But imagine Lazarus, right? You know, he's sick, he dies, he's in heaven, he's in the presence of God for, well, you know, it's, it's, out, it's outside of time. But for four days, like don't get comfortable. You're not. Saying, <laughs> you're not for four days, he's in heaven. He's in God's presence. He's in eternity, glorifying God with the angels and, and everybody. And then, and then, can you imagine God coming to him and being like, "Hey, Lazarus." He's like, "Wait, what's up, God?" He's like, "So there's a bunch of people, including your sisters, and um, you know." They're they're praying that uh that that we um send you back that we we give you life again back from Earth. He's like, he's like, <laughs> what'd you tell him? He's like, I'm gonna answer this one a yes. And he's like, dang it. Oh my God. <laughs> he's probably like, God, really? Like I'm in heaven right okay. now. I, I thought I was I thought I was good. To be fair, we don't exactly know how death worked. Pre Jesus' yeah, death. True. No, I know. I'm, so I'm like, just saying, imagine, just saying, just say, yeah. Imagine don't that. Take but this like, as he could have just been, he could have just been hardcore napping, effectively. <laughs> and then he's just like, yo, I think, I think somebody called me. And I, then he, I, I just, think I just it's could you imagine being like wrapped up completely? You wake up, you open your eyes, but you still see darkness. But you hear a voice, and you're like, all right, and I'm you coming. just, you walk <laughs> out. You waddle out, and then you're just like, or you hop out because both your legs are bound together, and you're like, what's up? And then they're like... Speaking of Lazarus' point of view, there's a song called Lazarus Come Forth by uh, Carmen. Carmen. I figured out if everyone here exactly know what I'm talking about. Um, it's pretty so good. after we're done here, I want to show that video okay. to y'all. Because it's like on point with what we're talking about, cool. and it's also a really cool song and video. So Awesome. Yeah. There's another song too. Just like Lazarus. I don't know. Yes, that one. Oh, I know that song. Yeah. Already had a worship. Interesting. But no, so so I did. I I looked it up. So yes. So Jesus's linens were folded and. According to Jewish tradition, as far as I'm aware, um, at the end of your meal, you, if you're coming back to your table, you fold your napkin. If you like, just crumple it up and then throw it on the table, it means you're done. And so uh, he's just like folding it up because he's like, "Hey, okay. I'll be back." Yeah, that's how it is in like fine dining too. Yeah. Like when you crumple your napkin and throw it over the plate, it's like you're done. But if you like fold yeah. it, and it means like I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's proper ways to set the silverware and like proper etiquette. It's a whole thing. I learned a lot about all that. Any any final thoughts or anything? I think we're probably gonna stop it here and not continue on. That seems like a good stopping point. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot that happened there. There's a lot more we could dig into, but I, I think it's, it's really good. Oh, there's one other quote I wanted to read. This is from Charles Spurgeon. Um, who I only recently like found out about. I've been seeing a lot of his quotes lately, which is, I think is really cool. He's uh, he's one of the, he the big a, boys. I forget what century preacher 
Um, he was, I think he was called a preacher of preachers. Like 18th century. 18th century. 17th century. Yeah. Seattle Spotted Tea. I think it might have been 19th century. Anyway, this is a quote of his. I think this kind of goes off of somewhere between like verses 33 to 38. Sometimes we are told that if we really believe that our friends would rise again, and that they are safe and happy even now, we could not weep. Why not? Jesus did. There cannot be any error in following where Jesus leads the way. I think it just shows, I think that quote just kind of really emphasizes that, you know, as believers, and even if a fellow believer dies here on earth, and we know for a fact where they're going, it's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. It's okay to mourn. Yeah. Because even Jesus did. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. And there's no error in following the way that Jesus did. Which I just think is, is something, you know, you know, whether yeah. you know someone who just passed away recently or not, I think it just goes without saying, like, it's okay. Yeah. I went to, I'll see if I can grab the video from this, um, the funeral that I went to a couple months ago because uh, my friend's wife died. Well, my friend died, uh, and she happened to be the wife of a friend that I also was friends with. Um, back in December, and the, the memorial service slash funeral was um, was a couple months ago, and he is a very strong Christian, and like the faith and the the witness that he got to be to people because of his faith. And so when you think about the dynamics of death and everybody coming to the funeral and the the people that are non-believers and the people, right, the family members that you don't get to talk to all that often that kind of think you and her were a little bit crazy for believing in some afterlife or whatever. And the ability and the authority that God has given you to step up and give your the closing message and say as the husband of the deceased and say you know I've thought a lot about if I could bring her back would I no why would I do that that would be for my own selfish reasons um and the that is God, yeah. right? That's God giving the vision of this is more than me. This is bigger than me. Um, and God has a grander plan than I do. Um, and he's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I want her back. I'd, I'd rather our two daughters have a mother, right? I'd rather... Um, have someone who remembers the bank passwords and stuff like he talked about that stuff and and the the reality of it but the the awesomeness of being able to say that and like he delivered it so much better than I could and his is real like his is the real the real deal he was actually going through it and having that level of faith and that ability is exactly what God wants have that story to carry with him. 
like a, a micro symbol to your point because it's like so much the spiritual sa- salvation like you were saying is so much bigger than any physical salvation and that's that's something that I often think that gets missed awesome. good stuff guys well I'll close out in prayer and then we'll split from there God we thank you that we can all gather and um, dig into your word and, and learn more about who you are um, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life that we can have life after death here on this earth because of you, because of what you've done. And we thank you for your timing because if you answered things when we wanted them, man, would things be not as good as they can be with your timing. Help us be reminded of that. Help us be reminded of this story when we want things, when we want them and the way that we want them to be reminded that your way is so much better than ours, that the end result of what what we could imagine as the best possible thing can't even compare to the glory that will be revealed to be your glory and so much better plans for us even too, that when we allow things to happen in your timing, not ours. I just pray for blessings over everybody here and also for those who couldn't make it and 
yeah, just to bless us the rest of this week and help us to to see you everywhere we go and to um, to be reminded that everything should be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time in God's presence with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.